0: and welcome to 76 small rooms a podcast about architecture from Aotearoa New Zealand If you're a practitioner or student you've probably heard this criticism or perhaps as a client or contractor you might have made it Architects don't know how to build In this episode we talk to two architects well known for donning a tool belt and being able to swing a hammer just as well as the contractors who build their projects This is
1: episode 20 of the podcast and that Arch and myself are talking with Dave Strawn and Mike O'Sullivan and finding out how their building skills inform their practice.
0: Welcome, guys. Um, Thanks very much for joining us. Perhaps you could start by introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about yourselves and your practices. (laughs)
2: Okay, I'm Dave Strong, architect, started life as a... What did I do? I did half the law commerce degree and then a mate of mine was doing architecture. So we got into building, boom time, crazy time, and any Muppet could build. So ever since then, I've been building and doing teaching and architecture for since maybe 1974, a long time. Yeah.
0: Great.
2: Michael O'Sullivan. Um, I'm an architect and a
3: draftsman. NZTD, then BARC. Um Like David, I teach at a university. I teach people how to draw freehand and supervise master students and um, run around like Yeah, a, a lot of building. Cool, and, and, and make things. Yeah. <laughs> and make, we make things. things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And both of you came to the sort of, at least the kind
0: of, uh, I believe, came to kind of your architectural training a bit later on and after doing some other things. Um, that's yeah, correct, yeah? Yeah, that's true. And yeah. how, what kind of effect and how much did that influence what you kind of brought to actually then doing those
2: studies? Yeah, I mean, quite a lot. I mean, in a way, the first part of it is a, is a trap. My nickname at first year at architecture school was 4 by 2 mm-hmm. yeah, which would now be 100 by 50 right? So um, <laughs> it's, it's the idea of everything was seen through the builder's eyes. Yeah. So I had to tip my head around and try and start thinking of it. You know, about the architecture and what was going on. I had some yeah. great teachers too, you know, people like Dave Mitchell who I revered obviously and yeah. people like that. So I think that, that was the battle initially was you tried to make everything into sheet sizes and whatever else yeah. and that's fine if you're doing prefab, but it's mm. not how you should be as a free-thinking, creative student in first year, is it?
0: So some of that, um, some of that gentle ribbing was about undoing some of that thinking. Yeah, probably.
2: Yep. Yeah, but also, you know, they would come and ask me questions when we were doing construction stuff. Yeah, right. So it was a benefit to them, but of course I had to try and get my own head out of it as well.
4: Mm-hmm. How long did you build for
2: before you? To so I never really stopped. I think I started. Uh, we built for about eighteen months, right. um, full time, and then so every holiday while right? I was at architecture school, because we got you know we you know you only, uni students are only there for such a pathetic part of the <laughs> year. <laughs> so uh, so um, yeah, so and that was great. And I had mates or contacts or whatever that needed stuff done, yep. and so I could fit it into my holiday time. Yep. What about you, Well, I'm 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 not a real carpenter.
3: He's a this fellow's a real carpenter. He's obviously qualified as one. But we did our sort of learning through slave labour. Yeah. Working for the old yeah. man who was a carpenter. Yeah. yeah. So right. you know, by sheer exploitation, yeah. things you can't do these
2: days by Exploiting your children yeah, publicly. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, well, our, our, three <laughs> sons, our three sons have got two builders and one's a landscape architect. They've all seen the light, right? None of them want to be an architect. But they used to call it Dave Labor. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, I think I read that
0: was, your dad was a, a builder and a, a bridge
3: builder. Is that right? And uh, yes. Yeah, so he built most of the bridges over the southern motorway. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we were well-versed in tying steel and... Shifting scaffolding at a very small age mm-hmm. It's quite we'll good when, you, when you've got You know, feet that are very small You can step between them
4: And
0: sh- <laughs> <laughs> tie <It's all> steel
3: <laughs> Feet
0: don't work these You things. didn't have a high at the
3: top I'm
0: not sure whether our listeners show <laughs> I, s- I certainly hope they are <laughs> <laughs> We can cut that out Do you think that It um, uh,
1: had an influence On the way that you saw things as a, As a child and your later Progression into architecture Was it just a natural,
3: you know, transformation? Yeah, I think it was a natural transformation. He had a great friendship with the architectural practice in Auckland called Bussin Stress, and most people know Graham Stress by way of his contribution to the NZIA. Mm -hmm. Ray Bussin, who passed away a few years ago now, was um, a very beautiful thinker in a small domestic way, and he had a good friendship with Dad, and he was a French guy. Uh Dad was an Irish immigrant and Dad did a lot of building for him, and I'd spent a week yeah. in his office as a kid, 13-year-old, yeah. and I thought, this is a lot more fun than tying steel.
0: Yeah,
3: right. <laughs> yeah. So, Having yeah. done a lot of that before you were 13, uh, yeah. obviously. <laughs> and did that
0: lead you
4: to
3: the NZCD from there? Yeah, eventually? yeah, yeah. 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 NZCD. Yeah. I wasn't smart enough to get into the School of Architecture straight away, so I went through
2: the back door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave did yeah. the carpentry side of thing. Did you do you... Yeah, sort of. It was kind of back door, too. I got half a law yeah. commerce degree, but they wouldn't... I didn't have enough physics or maths or something like that, but Alan Wilde was the head of the school at the time. Oh, yeah. And the admin guys would go away and do another year, and I'd already been building for 18 months or something, so I said to Alan, listen, I really want to get into here. I passed these other exams, and he just let me in the back door. If you like.
0: Yeah, right. But, and Michael, the the desire to design, I think, was always obviously there. I believe you did a house at 16, designed a house at 16.
3: Uh, Yes, our sister who lives in the bush in um, the West Coast, halfway between Westport and Karamea, Utopia Road, they still live in that house Mm -hmm. and they love it. That's really pretty cool. How do you feel about that? I treat this <laughs> 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 You used to have to, you should we don't want to do this again? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, that even she built that she built her own house. Yeah. Here and her husband, so it's a, I suppose that's a wee bit of a sort of an indictment on this Health and Safety in the Workplace Act,
2: isn't it? Yeah, and you also can. the documentation too, because, I mean, I pulled out some drawings just to show the team at work. Three A2s, the whole thing, specs, everything. Just the All you need for a house. Yeah. Mm. Three A2 sheets, mm. everything was there. Stamped by the, what it was, about Albert Council or something. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, it's quite sad, I think, some of that stuff. All on fee scales too, probably.
0: Yeah, all, all of that, all of that. Yeah, we, we pull drawings out of archive and the most common question when you go back to something from the 60s, you know, it's like, are you sure that's everything? minute? Yeah. You know, those handful yeah. of sheets yeah. come back and yeah. they're beautifully dense. There's yeah. still a lot of information, yeah. but it's nothing right. like the kind of amount that we're doing in these days.
2: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, in general, most people knew how to build. Then. That's a big thing is that, you know, we've got, because we've segmented the industry into a whole bunch of separate trades, Mm -hmm. they only care about their little bit and they don't care about connecting to the guy before or the guy Mm -hmm. after. Whereas Mm -hmm. in that method, you know, the chippies would do a lot of stuff. They'd put their own roofs on, they would install the joinery, they'd put all the cladding on, I mean, they did the linings. I mean, the main builder and his team on site did, well, whatever, 90% of the work. Do you think that's driven
0: the way documentation has gone today? Or is
3: it a sorta of, does it come from the other direction? Because there's so many different people involved in the building of a modest building mm-hmm. nowadays, every single one of those wants to mitigate liability. Mm-hmm. And therefore every yeah. trade yeah. needs to be documented. And that's yeah.
2: why yeah. I think we're sort of trapped. Yeah, it is. It's 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 that like you say, mitigating li- liability. And it's the white coats, I call them in Wellington, writing all these laws. And most of them have never tripped over a building site. And I think the thing is, they just, they're trying to just kill everything, almost, and say that no one can be at fault here, so I think we've got lots of signatures, mm. lots of mm. things signed off, but it doesn't mean that... There's still going to be a cowboy factor, in my opinion. I mean, we can still see it. Mm. I mean, I find it sad that I can build better than a lot of the builders out there doing some of our work. Mm. Not the best ones. We've got some awesome guys, and don't get me wrong about that, but in the lower end work, I mean, those guys are not particularly skilled, sadly. Mm. Mm. Do you think this? it's... It's stopping us from building and designing creatively. Do you think
4: that the the, the compartmentalising of the trade is, holds design back or construction back?
2: Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I think I think sadly most. I think I don't know. The figures used to be something like seven percent of all the built environment was touched by an architect's hand in design terms. So that says that we have very little input mm, yeah. in, in design sense. So all the rest of that stuff doesn't value design generally. So, I mean, I think, you know, that, where that's happening down on that level, there's, there's not a lot of design input. I mean, you listen to all the Kiwi build stuff. I mean, they don't even use the word design. I don't think it's just mm. all about delivery and cheap yep. and yeah. quick. You yep. know, so well, there's the, the, they're not putting any value on design. So I, I don't know whether that's changed particularly. I mean, I think... I when I started building in the early 70s, you know, if you said you're a designer or an architect, they said, oh, yeah, you know, whatever, wanker. You know, yeah. you, you don't know anything. Yeah. So I don't think it's changed particularly really. OK. And how, with your knowledge of
4: construction and, and your experience on site and all those things, um, that must change how you design as well. I mean, you'd say at architecture school, it changed how you designed, but is it is that... Um, how
2: do you think that affects how you practice to someone who hasn't been on site yeah i mean that's a big thing a lot of the students and a lot of the team in the office I talk about this idea of closing the loop you know, a lot of design processes in building everything is looks sort of it's cyclic you know it's circular it's not linear mm-hmm. And so, and in closing the loop, I talk about this idea of what does the line mean? Because, you know, when you're an architecture student, you draw this lovely, warm, fuzzy line. And this guy, he's great at drawing, beautiful drawings, right? And I just do diagrams. But anyway, um, do these lines. And then that line eventually becomes like a CAD line, like mm. 0.1 of a millimetre. Mm. And then the, some poor bugger's got to build that line. Mm. And there's no such thing as a 0.1 millimetre piece of timber that's that perfect and true and straight. So I think this idea that you know they all kind of inform each other, and if you keep thinking about the relationship between the, the fuzzy line, which is the architect's idea, the CAD line, which is the accurate drawing, and the built line if you have a knowledge of all of those, I think it makes you better at what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, a, a good example of that is that recent, we did this recent thing with Motu Kaikura, this charity build mm-hmm. on on uh, the island just off Barrier, mm-hmm. and it was interesting. So we, we had 16 architecture women students, if you like, so they're either graduates or registered architects, and really good set of documents, because they have to be for that kind of prefabrication panelised thing. And they couldn't believe how much had to go beyond the drawings to be able to get it built. This whole oh. builder space, if you like, yeah. where the builder had... They thought, well, this is, these drawings are amazing, they're saying to me. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole space there that the builder has to interpret and use his skills to, to create the build. Yeah.
1: I always think those conversations that you have on site with the builders, to me, to me I always find that the mo- one of the most exciting aspects yeah. of, of any project because there's that sort of effort that's required to get it through consent and of course that's only a, yeah, a sliver yeah. of what happens but there is all yeah. of that stuff that you can't possibly account for. you have been documenting for years if you were trying to yeah. perceive every junction and, and the, the conversations about what is the intent how you might go about it, what are the constraints. I think, you know, you always learn, I always learn something out of those conversations. Do you think, you've got a um, studio um, uh, or a workshop in your um, studio um, that I understand is open to um, all of your team, is that right? Yeah. How have you found working in the... And the workshop has... um, Oh, I mean, it's awesome,
2: and I mean, they love it. I mean, male or female, it's it's not gender-specific. I mean, everyone can make stuff down there and has done, and they enjoy it, and in fact, I just... Went through all the annual reviews a couple of months ago, and you know, the, the team reviews. And a lot of them say, oh, What's your goal? I want to build something in the workshop, I want to make a piece of furniture, I want to do this. So, and you know, even dumb stuff like um, bottom plate fixings, there's probably five or six ways you can do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of them's in charge now, uh, one of the girls is going to be in charge of making that one to one sample of here's mm-hmm. five ways you can put a plate down. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. what I was finding is in the drawings when I'm read penning them is that, th- that there was no logic in them, mm-hmm. if you like, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like they clearly are not under... so much other stuff you've got to think about. They're not thinking about how you actually just do something simple.
0: So those conversations you are talking about, Tash, while they're really exciting, I, my memories of the first of those when I started practising is that they're also the most humbling because I was really fortunate to have a really kind... And forgiving foreman on the first job I did, yep, and, yep. and going there and seeing, pulling me out to sight and showing me the detail, the first detail I'd done, and explaining why it was why basically unbuildable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but looked, you know, it's all there. Yep. There's a top yep. plate, there's all of this, everything's wrapping around. Yep. And those lines that I was drawing, they weren't yep. thought of that way. They yep. weren't thought yep. of as this and then that, yep. and then I've yep. got to get in and do that, yep. and then I've, yep. you know, and that was actually really a gap in. Yep. in, in, in at least when we went through, it was very hard to get that kind of experience um, by comparison. totally. So not everyone had a kind of kindly foreman. A lot of people yeah. nearly got yeah. a lot chucked at them
2: and yeah. cursed at because those lines weren't actually thought through yeah. in that kind of yeah. way. I don't know what you're like, Mike, with that sort of stuff, but I mean, I know with... I'm always saying to our team when they go out there, there's someone standing there probably been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years... Mm-hmm. Don't you bluff your way through thinking? On you know, the architect, I know. Just front up and say, I don't know. It looks like a cock-up. What do you think? Mm. Yeah. What do you think? Mm. Like, and they love sharing their knowledge. Mm. And you, you had the kind foreman. And if you approach them with the right sort of attitude, they'll actually help you. I was obviously because of my approach. Then, <laughs> that's, <laughs> what that's, what I mean. that's
0: what I
1: meant. Yeah, yeah,
2: I was yeah. like... It wasn't the crater beer. <laughs> <laughs> crater beer. said, here's the crater beer. I'm bound to have done some cock-ups here. Can you fix it? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. What do you What do you do in that context? I mean, because yeah, you know you have that relationship with your tradies and stuff. I suppose it's the the pleasure of a
3: small practice so that you get to minimise the number of people you deal with, yeah, yeah. and you yeah. mitigate your risk by just having a select few carpenters that uh, are passionate enough, are good enough, who are crafted enough to understand that six. Point one lines out of the ARCHICAD machine yeah, yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean yeah. it's a fully E2-compliant yeah.
4: situation. You know? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. And do you get involved in the construction of your buildings? Much? Oh yeah, no, we... we. What do you mean? Well, you... Because um, you have, well, I'm thinking and certainly recently, you've been on site
3: and helping build buildings maybe in been your own house or yeah, yeah. You know, like david i've built my own family home and uh, a little studio that we built down in littleton yeah which is a drawing room and accommodation um, we we insist on making dining room tables for every client that we build a house for yeah because you know we structure the domestic condition around that yeah and um, it's Mike Phillips too, you? didn't you? Oh, we're making of things. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it just breaks the monotony of the computer mm-hmm. and and how you know
2: restricted they can be. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a real totally. challenge actually to keep keep it interesting, because one of the big things, obviously, the key thing you can see it looking out through the window here is that it's all about production, 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 Mm. right? So, if you're doing that all day, every day, it's going to do your head, and Mm. it would certainly do mine, and I would do his, and Mm. so it's, how do you, that's where the workshop's fantastic, which is what we're talking about, I guess, is making stuff just to break. We've got one guy in the office who's just such an awesome painter, Mm. so if anything needs sort of painting or polyurethane or oiling, Mm. (laughs) I give him an hour or two and he goes down yeah. to the workshop right. and I'm thinking oh, I hate painting yeah. so you know, isn't
3: that a win-win yeah, <laughs> so that, that,
0: those, those words like craft and monotony and the idea of you know, what a lion is doing, Michael you're, you know, you're kind of furiously sketching away even in here and I know that you, I believe you paint as well it's uh, p- yes, probably not
3: the painting that David. Not Jim...
4: No no, 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 not
3: that.
0: You're a So, um, how how do they inform what you do, and are they are they part of your process for the work you commissioned for, or are they uh, an escape from it and an alternative, or a bit of both?
3: Oh, they concurrent. they yeah. they concurrent. Um, you know the the sort of the theory around why we as architects try and yearn for craft has uh, been quite aptly captured by uh, Dr. Peter Wood at Victoria University. Mm-hmm. He wrote a paper called Digital Craftiness versus Virtual Handiness, and he quotes here that for architects, the craft relationship between what we design and how that is realised is not as simple as it is for, say, a potter or cabin maker or an art forger. Architecture is already, already a displaced craft. Mm -hmm. and he says that the architect conceives of a project, represents that project in advance of its construction through a graphic medium and then abandons those same graphic codes to an industry of makers who are not thought of as artisans or craftspeople. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to understand in today's building environment.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. A craft remains very much a recent architectural practice uh, if so, by way of drawing in a a, Mm -hmm. a practice Mm -hmm. and I suppose what we do at the university is, is teach people how to draw, mm-hmm. you know, Pat Hanley. Yeah. yeah. Big issue stuff, you know. Yeah. Did he teach Yeah, I had Pat yeah. too
1: yeah. Yeah. Made made made.
3: We So you know I, 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 isn't I, 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 it funny that Pat Hanley is one of these people that has brought, you know, that component yeah. to us yeah. as, as educators. Yeah. You know, as an educator, sorry.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I remember him saying to me, I, you know, I'd be saying I can't draw because we never even had a, an art department in the college that I went to, and he says, "You're not going to be great, but you, I can teach you to draw. It's like riding a bike. You'll be able to draw enough to survive, and that's it's still true." Yeah, I. I, I, I I'm not an artist like this dude. He's he's does beautiful drawings. I, I, I do like I say diagrams. They're understandable. They make sense, but they're not, you know, highly artistic. If you yeah. Like, you know? And you're
4: your teaching at Unitech in the past of prefabricated yeah. buildings there. I mean, I you know got massive respect for that, that sort of that work that's done there. And that must be um, incredibly rewarding and challenging too, I guess, taking these architecture students and, and teaching them how to construct. And what do you see? Um, what do you see in them as they get sort of taught through that process?
3: Well, I can answer that for David uh, <laughs> because I judged uh, one of the projects that he built that was a finalist in the home yeah, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I got yeah. to see 20 young architecture students beaming mm. with yeah. pride, you know, and David, you know, stepping back for that lovely opportunity. So, you know,
2: everyone in architecture school wants that, don't they? Yeah, it's, it is. It's quite interesting. A lot of people... Some people are scared because they think, oh, I can't mm. build, therefore mm. they won't enrol. Mm. But I usually always got more enrolments in than we could handle. Right. But I think it's that... Um, interesting, they love the design phase because it's broken up into design, documentation and then build. They can't wait to get to the build Mm -hmm. stuff. But what's interesting is most of them say to me, after they've built it, you know, with amazing pride because you can see what you've done, whereas in here we we paper shuffle all day long, don't we? Or email shuffle, whatever you want to call it. Um, But they can see things they've created Mm -hmm. as they've gone along and then what they've often said is that I'd like to go back and do the documentation now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really understand yeah. what I was doing when I was documenting it so that's that's kind of good but it's, yeah, I mean it's, Don't you do that for every project anyway? What's that? Do you do that or am I the only person that does that? Does what?
3: Go well, back. When, you <laughs> up, when you finish the project you look at it and go oh fuck, we I, wonder done if this I, better. I wonder if we can change everything
2: now mm. Yeah, no, no, I do. And what I've learned over the years is you've got to be really careful because if you were the project architect on the job... It's precious to you, and if I go in and say we could have lined that up better, we should have concealed that. That should have been more dominant. Blah blah blah. Then it's a bit of a reflection on who did all the hard work on the job, and so I've had to hold that back a bit and be a bit more subtle. Because I think to get better at what we do, we've got to do what you're talking about. You have to challenge yourself every time. Don't sit on your laurels and but the flat out. this whole meeting is, oh, with the build,
3: does. The fact that you get to link the craft yeah. of beat making and oh, the craft yeah, of drawing as yeah, yeah, yeah. an inextricably linked component. Yeah, yeah.
0: And what I was going to uh, ask is, what do yeah. you think they mean? What do you think they mean when they say, oh, "I wish I could go back and do it again"? What sorts of ideas do you think have mm-hmm. changed or formed in that process? Do you have a view on what they might be?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, it's probably just even scale, because I used to try and teach them to, to draw just a detail at scale roughly. You, you know, if they are doing a 90 by 45, you kind of should look about like that, and then the rest of it should relate to that. But they weren't really able to do that. And I think once you've handled a bit and you've cut it on the drop saw and you've nailed it up, or whatever, you've actually got a sense of what that is. And so they probably realised all of the building thinking we had to do to make it, to get it built um, then link back into those drawings and, and so they kind of, yeah, I don't know I think they were just drawing because that's how you draw it because I've seen mm. it somewhere but not connecting with the making of
0: Because what I'm kind of homing in on is the question of whether without that experience is there an inbuilt uh, naivety or wrongness to decisions that aren't properly informed by that, that construction and built knowledge, that could apply at any kind of scale
2: yeah, I mean, I, I think it is, if I, I read your question, right, I mean, the obvious thing is things like, you know, you, you put a big veranda beam through and it's seven, eight metres long and you can't buy stuff that long. Mm. So you have to then look at a, a joint detail. Mm. Now, you can either yeah. make a pig of that or you can mm. make it quite beautiful. Mm. So if you didn't know that you couldn't get seven metre lengths, mm. yeah. then you wouldn't even do a detail for yeah. that. No. And I quite like the fact that, you know, I've had young grads saying I'm saying what are you going to line that with and it's plywood and I'm thinking well you can't get it that long so where are your joints are you going to stagger it are you going to whatever so it's it's those connections I think to the the thing that you're you're working with
0: I think a lot of us can recall instances where we've learned those things but we've had to make those decisions on site mm. and in reaction to yep. a thing you yep. didn't anticipate mm. because of a lack of knowledge as opposed to being able to consider them in a way where they integrate better with whatever language is developing yeah. in the building and you know they're coherent and they're yeah. considered from the beginning yeah. um, as opposed to learning that before you start your practice or at least in parallel with. Yeah. So I guess in that sense I guess what it's, it's almost like that um, seeing the building get built by others becomes the exploration as opposed to yeah, a,
2: a, a it line
0: is. and a creative yeah. process like this, yeah. which is actually more better informed by that, and that becomes the exploration. I don't know, Michael, yeah. if you have a view there. I, I watch that building process play out and react from it and learn from it, and there's plenty I've caught in time through my
3: growing knowledge. Indeed. There's plenty I haven't, but versus the other lens. The purity and, and sheer satisfaction you get from forming the line from inception through construction, refined as you actually are building it, Mm. with a tool belt on, Mm. whether you're drawing with a 6B pencil or a carpenter's pencil, Mm. and resolve the junctions as you go, that you wouldn't have seen. Mm. And any architect that says that they can nail it. (laughs) At the building kit set stage, we've all met those architects, right? But the capacity to learn to better yourself as a thinker mm. can't be beaten mm. by, No, no I, I, by I, 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 make, whether it is a dining room table or whether it is yeah. a studio to capture the energy of your direction as a thinker mm. or a place for your family yeah. to grow, mm-hmm. uh,
2: to do yeah, it no, Yeah, That's right. I mean, oh, I'm getting, uh, getting an Instagram photo from one of the girls who's just about to go on maternity leave, and she designed and made this cabinet that was partly CNC cuts so she set up the file and stuff so yep. there's your CAD talking to mm. digital fabrication mm. bar, but you still got to put it together and obviously she made a few cock-ups in the set out and that wasn't quite right and I, I said I'll give you a hand to put it together and um, so we we did that in the end and then I gave them all the bits of glue and screws or whatever they needed to take it and her and her partner put it together and just the pride in doing that but the learning so if if she was to do a CAD file tomorrow about that she'd know about the offset and the tolerance yeah, or whatever it is, yeah, you know? Yeah. She, it's, it's inbuilt. And, I yeah. mean, like you said earlier, the pride of, of creating something. And, I mean, she's in the classic nesting phase of, you know, I need something because the baby's due yeah. soon. And what a wonderful thing, eh, hey, to use your, your yeah. kind of design experience to yeah. draw something up to get it mainly digitally mm. fabricated and then some old bastard like me to finish it off helping her. Um, it's a wonderful Story, yeah. I, I, um, I knew, got to know a family in America
4: um, and the, they were boat builders, and their grandfather, particularly, was a boat builder. He, he yeah, yeah. built, sitting in their lounge, is this bassinet, which is a little pretty built right? Oh, it's about it's four feet long and, you know, and it's beautiful. And yeah. they said, the, 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 What's well, this? Oh, it's a bassinet. But, uh, and they've got heaps of grandchildren, about a dozen of them, 15 of them running around. And apparently it was, they started building it for the first one. And by the time they had the seventh one came out, <laughs> <laughs> it, <was laughs> it, yeah, it was really good and it was in the living room. And some of them got the new <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, As educators, do you, what is your opinion on, the, the, um, on building as part of an architectural education? Because
3: it's not a compulsory part of the architectural education at the
1: moment. Do you think it should be? Well, neither is drawing. <laughs>
3: no, that's yeah. true. It's an, it's an elective. Mm-hmm. and yeah. you, So the paper that I run mm. is an elective. Mm. The paper
2: yeah. that Peter Wood runs in Victoria University is an elective.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: And that's just simply wrong. Mm. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy for me to say. I mean, That's why I ran the course for yeah. 10 or so years out at UNITEC, because I believe that if you learn how to Document and draw something mm. modest as it may be. You actually, you're just that much better at doing anything, mm. you know. And and because ultimately, if you come up with some really cool idea, this morphed kind of 3D, you know, caterpillar growing out of the wall, it's like ultimately, if someone buys it for their gallery or whatever it is, they've got to you've got to have to figure out how to put that together. Mm-hmm. So if you, while you're building the caterpillar in your computer, it'd be quite nice to know that it, are you going to do it out of portals, or is it a, yeah, or is, it, mm-hmm. is it a space frame? What are you doing? Like just even thinking a bit like that. Which and is what I'm saying. You know, why is, what
0: does is, that line mean? Why is the, that shape the way it is? would that shape mm-hmm. then be informed by the fact that it becomes right. portals versus becomes a mesh versus yeah, becomes totally. whatever, whatever?
3: Yeah, yeah. I fear that the, this sort of um, overpowering sort of Health and Safety in the Workplace Act worry that the universities have is going to be singularly responsible for the dullest period in New Zealand architecture.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's Because of the, not the, 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 yeah, the limiting that that does to yeah. get access, because mm-hmm. yeah. we talk a lot in here, we're talking a lot about building, but maybe we're actually, what we really mean is making, because mm-hmm. that's a, you know, I... Uh, well, Maybe I say that because I can't build, and I can relate to making unless well,
2: you shouldn't say that, you know? Because no, I mean it's, you're, you're making. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, yeah, You can say you build built a dining table,
0: a building yeah, well, furniture. I mean, even like even a, even an architectural model, it gives you unique things that the page and the line doesn't. And increasingly, you know, I see um, the laser cutter. You know, I rail against, I do a wee bit of teaching myself, and I rail against the laser cutter for similar reasons, you know, you can translate that outline to the shape, and then we see all these pieces get sandwiched together without a thought of the thickness of the material yep. even, yep. that's, a, that's yep. a really basic simplistic example.
3: That's a perfect one, mm-hmm. you know, because that sort of that takes the ownership of the craft off yes. the student, yeah. and it goes into practice, yes. and, come, and it ends up in our built environment, mm-hmm. and society has to deal with it, yeah. so mm-hmm. You know, where does it start? It starts back at first year, second yeah, year,
2: yeah, third year.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's more, Michael, than just simply ill-fitting parts. It uh, might be more fun, It's uh, it's evident of more fundamental design issues that can cause bigger problems in the way we design buildings yeah, and the collect- way they surround people and do all Yeah, systems. collectively. Yeah. 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 Which is that's an yeah that's an interesting angle. All because of the laser cutter.
3: And, and and Rhino and Archicad and Photoshop yeah. and all these sort of things yeah. but you know they're all crafts in their own sort of weird way but the formative stuff is yeah. the one, is the, is the components that I suppose David and I enjoy the most mm. um.
1: There's something yeah. lovely about yeah. Yeah. that feeling of a pencil in your head yeah. and I was yeah. going to ask you in the same way do you find when you are making physically that that kind of puts you in a different headspace or zone that other things come out of that process, does that make oh, sense? In, in, indeed, yeah. you
3: know, um, probably the most recent for me personally would mm. be, you know, travelling to Littleton to build the studio mm. in isolation,
2: mm. and
3: the sheer lyricism of, you know, welding, mm. cutting, yeah. in isolation, cold in a Canterbury Southerly, <laughs> yeah. <that's when> he, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and you're hungry.
1: <laughs>
3: and, uh,
0: to, yeah, yeah. So it's it's very it's rewarding. Just and, about yeah.
3: on Walden Pond. I mean, it's. You
0: know, it was, was it mostly you did the labour on
3: that? Uh, majority of the time. Yeah. There was a time when I sort of exhausted myself and mm. uh, put my hand up and asked for help. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> so, you know. And so, tell, tell us about that a bit. You the because you're otherwise Auckland base aren't you? Uh, yes, yeah. But you've got your studio in Littleton. Is that because you do some work down there and you go down there? What What was the catalyst for, for doing that and deciding yourself to go down and, and build it yourself as well? Well, we had um, done about
3: 350 chimney repairs in the Canterbury region. So uh, I thought that during that process, it's probably going to be work here for 20 years, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I stood upon this piece of land that I pretty much stumbled across, and in a sheer romantic sort of vision, thought this is probably the closest to where my dad work came from, Yeah, and, right. and that was split decision. Yeah. Yeah. Build a it's studio pretty there. powerful, that kind of thinking, though, too. We a studio, yeah. and we just did. Yeah. So it's kind of nuts.
0: I've snooped around up there. Confession. There's the studio. You didn't come in and say hello. No, there wasn't anyone there. Um, and that's why I was snooping. Um, but there's also other structures around that I think you've done as well. Are you starting to creep down the hill
3: there? Yes, we, we are. Yeah. yeah. Of, um, I also enjoy drain line. Yeah. So... Uh, We've got a drain laying business down
0: there.
3: Yeah. I find drain laying very satisfying. Why it? is that? For the same reason that you've just explained. Yeah. There's something quite satisfying about digging holes.
2: Yeah, yeah. and and getting it done. Like getting it done. You need yeah. it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's
3: just yeah. and, and then laying a very complex labyrinth of yeah. lines, making sure it works, and then covering it up. Yeah. So, it's beautiful. Yeah, and it's invisible. Yeah. And yeah. it's invisible. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's kind like of nuts. It should have an
0: acoustician. All of their best work is only noticed when it doesn't work. Indeed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> brilliant, man.
1: That's
3: brilliant. That's, that's not linked to dry Lake.
0: Different reasons, but... Um, yeah, that, that, that thing about the hand and the eye and, and making and all of these things I think is really kind of rich territory and I think you know a lot of us can relate to it. I mean I, I came into architecture through hard line drawing and I did what was used
3: to be called technical drawing. What do you mean by that? By Hard what line, Hard
0: line. Yeah. What we used Two to call oh, On a drawing, a drawing board. On a drawing board, yeah. Yeah. you learn how to uh, describe shapes, right. you learn line weight, that sort of thing. And yeah. I, that, was, that was that told me architecture, and I went in that one. Yeah. And then I rolled up here from you know growing up on a sheep station, Pat Hanley freehand drawing. He's Where was the sheep station? North Canterbury and Cheviot,
3: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you're already on the front foot when it comes to <laughs> understanding the landscape, right? Yeah. Yeah, but okay. yeah. You know, Colin McMan, yep. yeah, all yep. those guys. So,
0: and I, but I don't think I really knew those things were there. But meeting Pat, and Pat goes, you know, I remember one of our first lessons. He took us up to Mount Eden well, and we I lay in the, do the
3: crater. Do <laughs> you do that? Yeah. And we lay in the crater. I can't, we can't lay in the crater now, yeah, but yeah, still yeah, yeah, you still lie backwards. Lie on your back.
0: he's and there in his yeah. red striped <clears throat> shirt and waving his hands about <laughs> and he says, lie on your back and draw the wind.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was stuffed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, but, but over the weeks, getting in touch with that idea of That's what, what the hand does yeah. and breaking that straight yeah. line, breaking that hard line and learning to see things that weren't the hard lines and start to capture them and express yeah. them. And I, will, I remember that process sparking and starting and I'll yeah. be forever grateful because yeah. he yeah. opened up the avenue that then connects you to seeing the landscape in a different way. Seeing it as a yeah. thing you can draw from, yeah. you can stand on and build on, and those sorts of
3: things. But do you remember how lovely he was when you were stuck? He would come and grab your hand when your eyes were closed yeah. and said, right, just listen yeah. and feel yeah. yeah, remember that, and and yeah. just that 10-second period of interpreting the big issue through his yeah. way, yeah, can yeah. can form,
2: you know. He used to get oh, us wonderful. to draw the landscape for where? For I'm, I'm from from on from Tiwamuju in the Waikato, yeah. yeah, and I'd draw what I could recall of that, and he'd come along and say, oh, that, uh, that must be somewhere down the Waikato. He just somehow, I mean, wouldn't would have been great drawings, but obviously he understood, yeah enough about the landscape throughout the country to to know. Yeah. Yeah, right. Where are you too far from this. It <laughs> <laughs> oh, looks like a little town that I thought it was my <laughs> <laughs> trick. I recognise that truth. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah for me the that, that person was Peter Wood, so when I started at Unitech, Peter Wood was there for okay. I think one or two years. Yeah I you know, I'd come from working with Called the moderate and CCM, so yep. I sort of started off down that hardline drawing path, and yeah, and also bumped into Peter Wood. Yeah, and uh, remember going to the zoo down the road and drawing animals while they were moving, drawing yeah, the yeah, wall. Yeah. You well,
3: know? <laughs> <laughs> the difference between Peter Wood and Pat Hanley is that you know Peter Wood has a, a, a you know incredibly complex series of layers of. You know how you would breed those animals, you know, <laughs> yeah. and and it'll get the best out of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't get the best out of everyone. Yeah. but it gets the best out of
4: most. Yeah. You know?
0: yeah, no, it's very good. So, I don't know if I was going to say lastly, but it doesn't have to be lastly. Um, the idea of um, the idea of drawing. Or making as an exploratory act versus a descriptive act. I'm kind of interested to hear a bit about that. Sometimes we, you know, you, take the, 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 you say you take the line for a walk, you don't know what you're going to be making, and you uncover it through the process of model making or drawing. And other times you're describing a thing you already see, and you're actually almost, you know, you're frantically trying to get it down and capture it before it's there. Do you have um, views on those? You know, what are your experiences? Yeah, I think, of I mean, I, I can
2: write something that I did recently. I made some um, European beach coffee tables, a big one, and a couple of, sort of side tables just recently for home, which had always been on the plan, but never got round to it, you know. And um, I, I sketched up, like he's doing now, I sketched up the idea of what they might be, so I got roughly enough material in the workshop. But then I started playing with machining it, So I'm starting to machine the bits down and I'm thinking, how does that feel Mm -hmm. about that big? Shall I make it bigger, smaller? So it was that jumping between a a real three-dimensional object Mm -hmm. and the sketches and how was I going to put the joints together? Mm -hmm. Was I going to use the domino machine and and could I put secret screws and whatever? So it was like that jumping back between, I don't know, just... Design thinking mm-hmm. eh, to sketching to actually almost modelling, making the actual bits. And it all happens simultaneously. And yeah, and it's all, it's, it's all, all this sort of bouncing, yeah. you know, it's that, that cyclic process that I reckon we use a lot you know, yeah. it's not like I'll do this and then I'll do that, so it's, mm. I never think of it as being linear, I think mm. it's um, you've got to constantly come in and out of stuff and I always remember being lucky enough to sit at breakfast one day with Glenn Murkett and he I asked him a question about why he'd done something and he gave me something like seven or eight or nine reasons and I thought shit, could I ever do that mm. because you know if you can justify a design move you know, with the yeah. materiality or the connections or whatever it is, mm. with more than one reason rather than I just felt like it. Well, mm. oh, no, nah, that doesn't count. Mm. You know, so it, giving me all those notions meant that he'd deeply thought about what he was doing, right down from the detail to the structure. But the the way it captured the light, the wind, the, you know, the the feeling of it was it compressed? Was it mm. releasing you? Whatever. The whole series of kind of thinking from sort of I suppose more. Intellectual architectural arguments, right down to the nuts and bolts of should this be fine or heavy.
1: That's a really beautiful thing when you kind of uncover that depth of thinking that goes right through from the perhaps more academic or you know reasons right through to the you know that everything is aligned like that.
2: That's also good, because when you do come up with a solution that, that that Mike's got on his pad here, you can then look back to say, well, what were we trying to do here? Mm-hmm. What was the, you know... Well, again, my what question is... What, what, what were was you trying well, was it sometimes were you trying to do anything? Or
0: were yeah. you just... is a spirit writing, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, which is fine. You know, some we all doodle. we all kind of don't know what we're going to fill the page yeah. with sometimes.
3: Well, the danger of doodling is that you can't stop, mm. and... I think it's important that if you're bound to AutoCAD, ArchiCAD, Rhino, whatever whatever it is that sort of constrains your vision on a 27-inch screen, Mm -hmm. if you become problematic with a line of thinking, then doodling quite often doesn't help you with that clarification. Mm -hmm. We have in the Littleton studio in in Auckland uh, a table for watercolour painting, and quite often if people come and get, get stuck, we... We'll do a watercolour painting of a detail. Mm-hmm. So you make the object beautiful. You make the problem a beautiful proposition by painting it, and it will clarify itself. You know, doodling you know, yeah. becomes yeah. becomes this process that you know, you know, the lines just become easier yeah. and, they, yeah. and they get it doesn't, lost. It doesn't the beauty, the beauty of building your own work, like David and I have done, is that you learn to understand that less lines, in some instances, are better than more lines in yep. AkiCAD
2: or AkiCAD right. or okay. We also do quite a lot in the office now, because of course the, the, the tendency is to sit in front of your 27-inch screen or whatever. Is to cut, we, we try and get the model fairly accurately done in 3D, after we've done all the design thinking and sketching and making a model and sticking stuff together with tape or whatever, but then what we're doing is cutting that model into pieces and then say okay, that's it, it's yellow paper time yeah. yeah. meaning let's put the details of this together, we want that to slide over that where should that align starting to think of actual components and some sizes so I hate that being done on computer Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they're just totally inefficient doing it like yeah. that, yeah. you've got to do that thinking, because you can you know, just emotively, quickly with your pencil, you can draw stuff and throw it out and go over and jump over that put a bit of colour over mm-hmm. the top and, and make decisions and
0: you can also bring out of the, that element of, the element of time and sequence in that kind of exercise that isn't there on the screen and that's, that was one of the most important lessons for me is you start, you going it will be this then this, yes. then this yeah. and you're letting the detail or, the, or whatever yeah. that proposition is be formed by the sequence of
2: time mm. yeah. um,
0: How yeah. much
1: do you use model making in your um, design process? Do you use or? Yeah
2: Yeah as
0: yeah, an exploratory tool. Yeah, yeah.
2: sometimes really crude, like I say, just cardboard mm. cut up with sellotape, and sometimes it'll be a bit, you know, a lump of polystyrene or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it varies, and then sometimes it might be, you know, slightly crafted even in the mm. sense of let's cut this out of a piece of nice timber and see how sits on that bit of land before. sometimes we form the land out of a solid piece of timber, carving it all away with the yeah. drop saw and routers and stuff and sometimes the typical layering of contours mm. um, so, I don't know, yeah we, we do, depends on the nature of the job, but mm. they're fantastic for clients, mm. I know, mean, Mike uses them too, you know, the, the thing of putting something like a little you know, a tidy marquette in front of a yeah. The client is like... Pretty oh, OK. A... Yeah, it is. It's really interesting. Well, it goes back to Ward Miles Warrens, Warren's famous for doing watercolours.
4: His building's but in front of the client because it's very hard to change it once it's been watercoloured.
2: You've got to be
0: very good at that, too. Yeah. 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 You use models as part of the process as well?
3: Yeah. Yeah. We just bought this beautiful 200-amp single-phase Swedish arc welder. <laughs> you know, and you get those sort of hundred and twenty five millimeter diameter. Yeah. Three yeah. mil cutting blades, it yeah. makes steel used to be this sort of yeah. know, heavy trichoting really problematic yeah, sort hard, of stuff. Yeah. You know, with a cordless grinder you can cut a two hundred and fifty U B thirty yeah. six Well, things to it, you know. Yeah. I mean yeah. that's that's the mitigation of lines in the Archicad or Archi-Cad.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. You
3: know, yeah you can do, you know. Yeah with a cordless grinder and a beautiful outbuilder
2: yeah. and mm. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I haven't really taught myself to weld, but our boys weld, and it's really interesting watching them explore, you know, they've just made they had some offcuts of stone, for example, that came off some job, and they've made these little what would you call it, occasional tables or whatever, and they've just welded up this solid 12 by 12 steel um, as like a little lightweight frame, thinking, what does this look like? Mm -hmm. Just sit this slab of stone on I mean, our builders aren't even supposed to think like this, but it's that same thing, they're exploring Mm -hmm. a design Idea, That's a pretty revealing you know. comment. Like, they're not supposed to think like that. <laughs> yeah, but, but what I mean is it's not the gate, right? Yeah. That, that's yeah, supposed to build one. Well, yeah, I no, But the thing is that's supposed to build what I've drawn a I guess i I'm,
0: I'm being glim, but you know you know, once you start working with materials, any materials, you start thinking about how they come together. Yeah. What yeah, happens when they reach out a bit further
4: and how brittle are they and those things? It's sort of very it's ancient The more we talk, the more I realise how broken it is, you know, that disconnect between Drawing and construction, you know, and that—that that, you know, yeah. that's why you guys are here is because yeah. you mesh those two together. But yeah, you know, the the more those get separated, you know, talk about when you're building and you go away and draw it and think about it and come back to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How how to how to builders draw? How do builders build without drawing? And how to yeah, people drawing draw without building seems, yeah, yeah. really divorce And a lot of builders will with their builder's pencil, they'll yeah. sketch
2: things, you know, yeah. that we'll, we'll discuss details mm. that we've kind of mapped out. It all gets jibbed over like, <laughs> like a strange <laughs> way, not <laughs> yeah, yeah. it? it afraid. Afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, were
3: you gonna say, were going
2: to say something? Mm, no? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's, it's a thing of when you've been in the game a long time too. I like to think of it as polluting young minds too, is sense because we have a certain sensibilities or certain beliefs, and, and talking about our sons obviously is that they've been brought up with that, like him with his tying steel and and, and whatever else, and working hard is is like you you've embedded that, and it's like the, the osmosis and in, in that in that. Of learning and being around that, they become that much more informed in that way. It's
3: yeah. more of a confidence thing, I think. That's the more you learn about different materials. Like, I'd love to be able to weld stainless
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. or brass or, or something yeah. like that. You know, the more confident you become when you're sitting at the computer detailing. Yeah. Yeah. You can't yeah. know what's not going to work and what's going to work. Yeah. But if you've got a repertoire of very good builders, then you can extend their capacity. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know whether yeah. you should, as an architect, measure it by your own capacity as a craftsman.
0: Yeah.
3: But it certainly gives you the sense of confidence where you can say, yeah. "Well, if I can do it, then yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I mean, somebody
3: know, who knows what they're doing." A lot, you know, of, a lot of us
0: would love to take the accolade that we were craftspeople. Uh, in credit for work done by others. You know, we'd love to, you know, there's many who won't disabuse people of that title if someone says, you yeah, know, this is actually real craftsmanship, this piece of work. And had it been measured by their own ability to do that? You know, like, does the, does, did, you know, could Beethoven play every instrument he composed? I don't, I doubt it. Not every single one. A songwriter, you're talking about learning another instrument. If you know that instrument, yeah. about welding stainless steel, what does that sort
2: of let you do compositionally Com- that you couldn't yeah. 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 yeah, 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 And that's right. I think it's true. I mean, I always we talk about A, B, and C builders, and I reckon I'm maybe a solid B, but we've got some A's that work for us that do our yeah. work that are just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's the yeah, gig that's they do mm-hmm. it every day, all day. Yeah. So I would expect them to be better than. Mm -hmm. Just the same, some of them have that that level of understanding. But are they the sort of
0: person that Mike's referencing here that, you know, you could collectively go to A-plus in a way that they couldn't on their own? Yeah, true. Is that that sort of what you mean? Oh, totally.
2: The guys of the A-builders want to be challenged. Mm -hmm. The C-builders just want to have their cream bun, get in the truck Mm -hmm. and do the same thing every day, all day, and Mm -hmm. not even think. Yeah. And, and the A builders are ones that actually want to elevate and they enjoy challenges from us but if we're doing something that we haven't done before we a lot of this we do the cost reimbursement stuff on our higher end stuff so therefore we can get the builder and identify them early mm. and we're doing a job at the moment where they're coming in with their drain layer with their mm. tiler, with whoever mm-hmm. and we're um, brainstorming the documentation with these guys because mm-hmm. we're saying, what do you reckon of this? We thought we might do it this way, what do you think? So they... There was so much we talked to
4: Mike and Dave about, and every time we asked another question, it led us down another equally as interesting path. As much as we wanted to, we couldn't talk all afternoon, so we wrapped up by turning the questioning back to our guests.
0: So guys, what's a question we didn't ask that we should have?
3: Didn't ask, should have. had a few. <laughs> Does building your own work? satisfy you architecturally? David? Yeah, totally. I mean, I I think... How many things did you change in one sentence? How many things did you change when you were building your house in Mount Eden from the building consent stage?
2: Oh, I did the shittiest set of drawings I could get away with. <laughs> 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 really? Just to prove that the council give consents really easy for shitty drawings, and because there was no risk or, you know, stuff that I had to worry about. <laughs> but, but no, I used to go up every morning, I had a, a knee replacement. Every morning I'd go up with Fraser and we'd talk about what was happening because one of our sons built the house, mm-hmm. and I did all the cabinetry and stuff. So that was an interesting process. So not a hell of a lot, to be honest, because I tend to try and document as much as I can, um, internally anyway, but we didn't give it to the council.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there's always stuff, like we've all talked about, on a complex building, you've got to work stuff out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I'm going to back to you. What's your question? Yeah.
4: <laughs> how, how many things stayed the same? Very few. You know,
3: we saw great, you know, you see greater opportunities yeah. when you're, you're welding it up yourself, and you're framing it yourself, and you're in the landscape, interpreting your own expectations and your own aspirations. I suppose mm-hmm. you
2: get the you get the change as much as you want. And that's very intuitive then, isn't it? You're working intuitively and you might say, oh, I might just push this out a bit or Mm -hmm. so I'll put a recess in here because, you know, if you're getting a pre-cut frame, it's just going to come blop, 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 blop. But if you wanted to massage a wall, if you like, in some way, Mm -hmm. then you can do that instinctively, I guess. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yeah. I suppose the whole pre-cut thing really
3: does does have another stranglehold on 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 the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, there's something quite beautiful about Conventional 1940s, 1950s New Zealand timber frame construction, where you're watching a carpenter fabricate the doors and the windows, Mm. build the frames, yeah, yeah, Mm. you know, compose it like a symphony, yeah,
4: Yeah. you know, and we never even without fear of challenging the peers one. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, 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 frames, yeah, yeah. And look, we never
0: even, you know, you, you mentioned we, we haven't even really got into and we probably don't even have time, but you know, I, I just wonder, Mike, any reflections on the idea of standing on that hill in Littleton, building that studio, that place for your, your colleagues that, to work in and, and be creative in? Um, it's pretty hard not to imagine it being very romantic. Watching the weather change through the days and the seasons, and imagine the thought of erecting a shelter. That I imagine that's a fairly powerful sort of experience. Well,
3: it was entirely romantic and, you know, completely driven by passion. Yeah. Um, and to have it as a as a product for any architect to go and use, which I'm happy for anyone to use it as a yeah.
4: space.
0: Yeah.
4: With, um, is why I built it, you know. Stop you snooping around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I'll come in next
2: time. <laughs> um, it's interesting because you talked about what you had in us, and I think that's one of the things. Yeah. I think I like to think that both of us have got it, and and obviously a lot of others is the passion for what we do. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of people in operating in our industry that don't have. Yeah. Don't have passion. Yeah. You know that that are not prepared to burn for it, and yeah. actually, you know, like just like he was doing, putting himself about on the edge, you know. Yeah. Seriously, trying to get this thing done. And and harsh weather conditions and whatever else. And so, you know, you have to be prepared to do that. And I I sort of try to teach students that as well. If you don't have passion for this, if you're not reading about architecture or looking at movies or whatever it is while you're studying, or you don't have a favourite architect, then what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Are you not you're not engaged with this thing. And I think
0: creatively being able to be in, in that uncertain space where you risk, you know, you, you have no real certain sense of success.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah. You know,
0: that when you, I was talking with someone just today, actually, you know, you can talk about a team culture or design culture, but you, know, you can end up in a place where there's so much uncertainty that you, you limit yourself only to those things you can be sure will work. That's a very small place. It's not a rewarding yeah. place. Yeah when you can be out in that zone where there is uncertainty, there is risk of failure, and you're prepared to take and able to take those risks. Passion's part of it, yeah. but I think yeah. that, you know, well, I'm just reminded of that earlier comment about various reasons why we might be entering the dullest period of New Zealand architecture. Yeah. Yes, it's OSH, and yes, it's compliance, but yeah. arguably it's education and many other things. Mm. About, do we actually still have that pioneering exploratory instinct to throw something up and let the seasons bash it and see how it responds, and rather than I have to weather it, it needs
2: to comply with E2, I
0: need my 150 mil you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think,
2: doing I, think, that? I think, sadly, we for ourselves, and that would be true of me, and I'm sure it is of Mike, is that we can take that risk because mm. we have to run with any. Consequences, but we can't afford to do that for our clients. Mm. Yeah, so uh, and it was interesting. Back to Mercat again, I always remember saying you should always do something for yourself in a project. Mm. and I thought that's very selfish and arrogant, but what he was saying is you should always challenge yourself. Yeah, right. At every job, you, you have mm. to do something you haven't done before, push yourself, mm. try something, be explorative, you know, exploratory, whatever you know. Mm. Um, but
3: pioneering architecture is. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a good point. Actually, you know, well, what is that in two thousand and eighteen? Mm-hmm. What's it going to be in two thousand and thirty? Yeah. You know, well, I just hope that this wonderful opportunity that Christchurch has yeah. now uh, is realised in a pioneering manner, which is what it was once famous for. You know, yeah. as a city. That mm-hmm. uh, means an acceptance of some of those experiments failing. Indeed, that's, and if that's yeah, not no, there,
0: you, at, you won't get that ex- experimentation.
3: All the failures that Wright experience in the States. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the Green yeah. and Green brothers. Yeah, you know, the quintessential yeah.
2: architect builders who, yeah. you know, were, were raised. The Corbs, a Villa savoy You know, like It yeah. leaked and it was cold, and they never. They couldn't even go and use it as their holiday home because it was a uninhabitable building. Yet we all revere it as a piece <laughs> of amazing architecture. <laughs>
1: I always remember going into the
3: Edith Brown House in Los Angeles when it was open on a rare rainy day. It's a textile block house. It looked like a sip. I mean, they literally, but it was brilliant. I mean, that very close. Closer to home. Mixon's work in the Reese townhouses half four streets. Mm. um, You know, they they are just unparalleled, Mm. uh, compositionally, spatially. You know, scale-wise, yeah. um, yeah. but just drafting the porous. Results. Yeah, it's just like, porous. like pumice. Porous. <laughs> you yeah. know, porous is a kind too. Yeah, um, fifty millimetre diameter downpipes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, elegant. <laughs> yeah.
4: We're drafting the response to Dalton Council's building sent queries. Look, I, yeah, I understand your you query about that water tightness detail, but just think of the proportions. <laughs>
2: aren't, aren't they beautiful? <laughs> Are they truthful? That's right.
1: Actually, the other
2: thing that's really interesting about this, I'm just sitting here thinking, as you're talking about, aren't they beautiful? Because we've acted, I guess, as, as client, architect, and builder, all in one, and you've got all this shirt rolling around the mm-hmm. head because you know the like the client says why the hell does it have to cost so much, right? The architects is it's going to be really beautiful, and the poor old builder's thinking, you know, can we do it an easier way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, when you've got all of that rattling around inside one head, I find it quite interesting, that dilemma of, should I spend this, should I get that special material, would it be okay without, can, am I c- constructing it in an easy way or not, and what's the consequences of the cost, you know, so... Well, just to it's go back to your query around, you know, how far do you go,
3: um... Yeah, we've designed our own aluminium door and window system. We've designed our own cladding system. We've, you know, you've got to try. You know, they might fail catastrophically, but if you don't bloody try,
0: yeah,
3: who knows? Mm, yeah. So that, that comfort zone that you know, eighty-five, ninety percent of New Zealand society thinks that architects operate by, yeah, you know, has to be tested, right? Yeah. Mm. So you know, by by. Exploring your material palette and and fabrication by not looking inside the village for the materials and supplies that everyone else does uh, is probably what we need in this country. Mm. Is the capacity that the world's very small now. Yeah. And you know, the idea of getting concrete joinery from you know Belgium, Estonia, or somewhere is not is not a difficult proposition.
2: Mm. Yeah. you know, I suppose that's a sort of a yeah well otherwise you don't uh, you don't have any innovation do you that's the thing we'll actually yeah. just withdraw into our little safe little boxes because of all the litigation and risk and stuff and and you don't have those wonderful periods like they've had throughout history of seriously innovative work yeah. being happening yeah
0: well look maybe that's a good place to leave it with that challenge hanging there yeah um, Thanks so much, guys, for so much of your time. It's a really fascinating talk. I think this might be the first episode that has a reading list, um, <laughs> which is a nice thing to do. Um, thank, you. And, thank you, Peter Wood. <laughs> and also, at the same time, you know, I, I, I finished this conversation feeling like there's just so much more stuff we could have delved into. But um, just thanks for your generosity with your time yeah. and, and talking cool. with us today. So, thanks very
3: much. Um, thank you. Very thanks. good. Cheers,